three cases. One, the murder of two people possibly connected to a satanic cult. Two, an apparent accidental drowning that could have actually been the work of a serial killer. And three, the disappearance of a man looking for the beast in the New Mexico desert. What do these cases have in common? They all happen on Halloween. Let's talk about it and get so scared. Everybody, it's hey. me. Hi, and her. Katie and Colin. Amy and Cannon. Just want to start this one off by saying uh, I'm going to try to fix it in post, but if you can hear a crunching noise constantly throughout this episode, it's because our dog is next to us, Cluster, and he's chewing on one of his new toys, and neither of us want to be mean to him and put him in his kennel with his toy. And he's too clingy to sit anywhere else other than right next to us. So you just might have to deal with it. We tried to put him on the other couch and we told him to stay and everything. And he was just like, nah, I want to sit next to you guys. So Yeah, so there's just a dog. Dog crunching noises in the background. But he's really cute, so oh well. Also, oh, I've been thinking about this for a while. This is random thought connected to like one of our first episodes. I just wanted to throw this out there to clarify things. Just in case somebody listened to one of our first episodes and heard this and got the wrong idea but kept listening to us. I remember in one of our first episodes, I can't remember which one, but we mentioned Elon Musk. And we didn't say anything bad about him. And I just wanted to correct that and clarify our thoughts on Elon Musk. He's stupid, and I do not like him, and I think he's an idiot. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he shouldn't be given the opportunities he's been given. Like, I don't feel like he's, he's not the one to be in those places. Like, with the whole Neuralink, or however you say it, coming around now, that's very scary. And it's like, I don't know if that whole 3,000 monkeys dying was, like, real or not, but he wants to put it into children and openly said that he would put it in his own children. And that's not, I don't know. I've never been, like, um, a technology hater, so it's like, you know, somebody wants to get that in their brain, cool, but I don't want children. Like, it's not, we're not old enough to consent to that. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, just not, we're not supporters of him, just in case you thought we were. I'm not a technology hater, I'm a billionaire hater. Yeah. I hate and every other So yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Except musicians. Well, some of them. Well, musicians are okay. I think Jay Z's a billionaire, but that's partially because he also has a lot of like business things that he does. Taylor Swift's not a billionaire. Oh, she's mean. A billion's a lot. You don't get to a billion unless you own companies and exploit other human beings. That's the only way. Okay, well, you guys can eat the rich because Taylor's not going to be eating, so that's fine. Yeah, she's. Yeah, just wanted to clarify that, just in case. It's been heavy on my mind for like. Random tangent. Uh, 
not related to this episode. So, uh, self-promo. What do we have to promote? You're still making... Whimsical formations. Um, yeah. That's my art page. So, like, drawings, um, paintings of, like, any kind of media. Uh, I also do, like, polymer clay earrings, and I'm trying to get into, like, making, like, items of the earrings. Like, I recently did, um, like, little plastic skeletons. So, um, if you're interested in anything or you want a commission, um, it's Whimsical Formations on Facebook. And you could also, like, uh, commission something for from Colin on there, too. Yeah. And if you want, you can DM me on Instagram and commission any kind of, like, drawn art, digital, or physical media. And I'm trying to get into, like, little bits of home decor um, that would, like, be DIY'd and, like, handmade by me. And, like, it wouldn't be, um, like, super big things, just little, little things. Yeah. So pretty much anything, like, creative. I also, at some point, want to write a book, so if you like poetry, I don't know. can <laughs> talk to her about poetry. Follow her on Twitter and tweet at her. Be like, write poetry. Write your book. Keep Have reminding you written her. today? Have you written? Uh, you can follow us on all our social media. It's in the description, but if you want to find me on literally anything everywhere, just look up Mimi Cannon. That's what I use on everything, so. I'm going to be, oh, uh, starting this next year, 2023, I'm going to get back into my YouTube videos. So if you like watching somebody who's not very funny and not very good at video games play random video games that you probably won't be interested in, for example, Great sell. Harry Potter, the RPG on Game Boy Color, I'm going to play through that. So that would be on my YouTube, so gonna go subscribe to my YouTube and wait for those videos to start coming. But yeah, that's all I have to promote. So, yeah, there you go. So, your thoughts. What do you think? Intro, what do you think of the cases we're talking about? I don't remember his name. Oh! But... I just remembered. Also, yeah, this is December, and we're doing a Halloween episode. I just wanted to address that. I got really behind on getting this episode ready, just so you know. It's okay. Uh, yeah, so um, this is like the Nightmare Before Christmas of... Yeah. Yes. There you go. The I think of that one murder that um I don't remember exactly what it was, but where like the wife and husband went scuba diving mm. and the guy is supposedly like a professional scuba diver and his wife died and like I don't know if they found him guilty or not, but I remember Bailey Syrian uh talking about that one and I would I don't know, are you saying like the water the drowning one. Yeah, it's at, uh, maybe it's Yeah. It's not, it's not that one, but yeah, I remember that case. But yeah, I don't think he got found guilty. But I'm also not an Andrew Sestra. Yeah. Well, because there was something, like a, like a difficulty with your oxygen or something, I think. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, a lot of signs, like, pointed to it being his fault, even if it was on purpose. Like, he should have known what they were doing and he didn't. I don't know. Something like that. If you're curious, like, you could probably find it on her channel, um, so, because yeah, I don't, I don't remember what, I don't remember any of the names, <laughs> anything like that, so. If you want to check out somebody who's probably more professional and a little bit better, a, a lot better at true crime stuff, you can check out Amy's area, she's cool. Oh, leave us true crime, like, YouTubers. Um, yeah, tell them and people. if you're, um, a makeup person, 
I need, like, goth, emo, punk, alt, whatever label they use, um, people to follow on YouTube so that I can get, like, makeup tutorials. So, I know that that's off topic too, but, um, I need, I need that. So, leave those, tweet us. Suggestions. So scared. Pod on Twitter. So scared. Uh, also, uh, share this podcast with your friends. Man, this episode will all over the place. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, sure, Bye. sure. Uh, leave us uh, comments if you give us a five star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. We will read it live on air, so you can have a say whatever you want that Apple will let you. And I don't think they'll let you say fuck. Probably not, but you can try. Yeah, so share this podcast. It's the best thing you can do to help a small podcast like ours get out. Okay, we'll get into it now. <laughs> so the first one, the murder of Ronald Sisman and Elizabeth Flatsman. So, uh, this first one, it took place in 1981 on Halloween. Surprise. Ronald Sisman, he was a 39-year-old. He lived in a duplex on West 22nd Street in Manhattan. In his home, he ran a photography business. Wow, let's dress up. He's just going to cuddle with us. Worry about the sound anymore. So, Sisman also had a girlfriend, Elizabeth Platzman. She was 19. I don't like that age difference very much, but I'm not going to judge. It was 1981, whatever. Uh, and she was a student at Smith College. So, on Halloween, they were both at Sisman's home doing a photo shoot. Okay, what I'm about to say about the events leading up to the murders is a lot of speculation because we don't know exactly what happened. It's believed that somebody would have knocked on the door because there was no signs of forced entry into uh, Sisman's home. So he must have opened the door for them. It could have been one person. It could have been more. We're not sure. Uh, after Sisman answered the door, whoever he let in at some point uh, severely beat both Sisman and Platzman and eventually shot both of them in the back of the head execution style. When the crime scene was found, it was a mess. There was furniture torn apart and items just scattered all over the floor. Um, it looked like the killer was looking for something. But the only items that seemed to be missing were both Sisman and Platzman's driver's licenses and Sisman's twenty-five caliber pistol. Who did it? Do you know about the show Welcome Back, Cotter? Sounds familiar, so that's like all I know is the it's an older, like, sitcom, like, comedy show. It's pretty nice. I remember watching some of it. It's not bad. Uh, but before this murder occurred, the actress Melanie Haller, who starred in Welcome Back, Hotter, had accused Sisman of trying to force her to take narcotics, but Sisman denied it. However, Melanie Haller refused to cooperate with police in the investigation, and so the case was dropped. But because of that, the police believe that this murder may have been drug-related. This is when things take a bit of a turn. A prison informant came forward saying that a fellow inmate had somehow predicted the murder weeks before it happened, and the informant said that his, this other inmate told him that his cult was planning to perform a ritual killing on Halloween in Greenwich Village, and afterwards he would ransack the place to remove the evidence. The inmate that predicted this killing was David Perkowitz, which is the son of Sam Killer. If you 
So, I won't talk too much about Bukowitz, uh, because uh, we might just do an episode on him, because he's fairly well-known and interesting. But in 1977, just to give you a short little tidbit about him, he was convicted of multiple shootings that resulted in six dead and seven wounded. However, there have been speculations that Berkowitz was involved with a satanic cult and hadn't actually committed all those murders himself. According to him, Sisman had a snuff film of a son of Sam killing and was going to hand it over to police to get out of some drug charges. Uh, Berkowitz even gave a weirdly accurate description of Sisman's apartment. Uh, Sisman's family and friends say he never met Berkowitz and that he wasn't involved with any cult. However, during the supposed cult's killings, items of personal identification were taken, similar to how Sisman and Platzman's licenses were taken. So, Are you sure it's not Perkowitz? It is Perkowitz. You're right. I didn't want to interrupt you while you were talking. Interrupt me if I'm saying something wrong. Man, I, was well, I wasn't sure. It seemed you like... Perkowitz. It's Perkowitz, I think. It probably uh, so, no real evidence was ever found to prove Berkowitz's claims, and his case remains unsolved. So, could have been a drug-related crime. It could have been a satanic cult, uh, Son of Sam-related crime. We just don't know, and honestly, I never know. That's what is fun. Yeah. So, what do you think of that one? That one also sounds familiar. Like, do <laughs> they all just, like, blend together in my head? I mean, they might. That's why I was like, is it Berkowitz? Because I feel like I remember that name. I mean, you probably have heard stuff about the Son of Sam. So why, but why wouldn't the actress, like... That's the thing, is like, I don't know, like, why wouldn't she... If she already knows he's a bad person, why would she... I don't know, maybe she didn't want the, like, bad press? Yeah. Even though she... Being associated, like, with the trial or something? Like, she didn't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know why. I I didn't find anything talking about she didn't want to work with the police to like investigate uh, Robert Sisman. All I know is that because of that, Ronald Sisman, because of that, it's like, I mean, police are just like, oh, no, you're like that. that is the first Halloween case we're talking about. Spooky. To do a satanic cult. Alright, number two The Drowning of Chris Jenkins. So in 2002, Halloween night in downtown Minneapolis. Chris Jenkins, who was a 21-year-old University of Minnesota student, was visiting a bar. Uh, around midnight, Chris left the bar, very drunk, and he was never seen again. <laughs> Two of her cats are cuddling, and one's looking the other right now, and she really she was so cute. Sorry. Okay, so yeah, he left the bar really drunk, and he wasn't seen again. He was missing for four months before his body was found in the Mississippi River. Uh, and when they found his body, he was still wearing his Halloween costume. Since he was still in, yeah, since he was still in his costume, it was assumed he died shortly after he left the bar. And also, since the cause of death was drowning, and he had been drunk that night, police police believed that he may have died from an accident or possibly suicide. But his parents didn't believe that and kept pressing for further investigation. Four years later, in 2006, Chris Jenkins' death was reclassified as a homicide. Similar to the last case, a man that was already in prison reportedly claimed he was present when Chris was murdered. So he got another 
information from people in prison. He claimed he was present there when Chris was murdered and thrown off a bridge into the river. However, police have withheld any specific details, but it appears they believe his story because, I mean, they reclassified the death as a homicide. Also linked to this case is the smiley face murder theory, which is another thing that I want to look into and do an episode on. So I won't go super into it, uh, but the theory was put forward by two retired New York City detectives, Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duarte, and a criminal justice professor, Dr. Lee Gilbertson. Uh, essentially, the theory is that between the late 1990s and the late 2010s, approximately 20 years, around 40 male college students were found dead in bodies of water across several Midwestern American states, classified as accidental drownings. But this theory says that they were all actually victims of a serial killer or multiple different killers. It got its name because graffiti of smiley faces were found near some of the bodies of water that some victims had drowned in. However, there was no smiley face where Chris was found. But he was found in a river, so maybe there had been a smiley face, and he just drifted downstream away from it. Chris's death and the smiley face, like possible murders, in theory murders, uh, remain unsolved. And unless some kind of information comes out, I mean, just like last one, there's not a lot to really go off of to figure it out. That's the next one. Plus, so yeah, uh, I feel like it'd be really easy for the cops to just be like, oh, he was drunk and he fell over the rail and like killed himself or like did it on accident or whatever. Yeah, accidentally fell in the water since he was drunk and couldn't swim. And it would be easier for them so they wouldn't have to actually investigate it. So it's like, if I was that yeah. person's uh, parent, I would, I would be like, um, sleep with him too. Yeah. But also like, but also, like, assuming... If they're old enough to drink at a bar, I'm assuming they might live on their own. I don't know if the parents would let them know every single detail about them, and, you know, including their mental state. So, you know... Yeah. It, it's just a theory, but also, it'd be, it's, like, an easy thing for cops to just put on it so that they don't have to actually do their job. Yeah. Which, as we know, that's happens a lot. And murders that we hear of, so... Yeah, cops don't really seem to always... If it's, like, seems like it's, like, too tough of a case for them to figure out, like, it seems like a lot of times cops just, like, remove it from their records or something, or they just don't really try because they kind of sucks. But, yeah. I mean, like, also, like, probably, thinking of it logically, he probably did accidentally drown, because, I don't know, the theory that all 40 of these college students that drowned... Assuming that all of them were actually murdered by somebody or, like, multiple people. I mean, like, it couldn't possibly be all 40 of those people that were found drowned. Like, they were actually that's, that's so many people. Yeah, I mean, I, Unless it was multiple, like, serial killers doing it and they were, like, connected. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's possible. Serial killers are, are serial killers that have killed a lot of people. But I also feel like a smiley face is just also, like... Very That's common. a very simple thing to be graf- graffiti-ing. Yeah, like, I feel like there's probably a lot of people who do graffiti that are like, oh, I can't do really good art, like, let's just put a smiley face down. So, it's odd that smiley faces were found 
by some of the, like the bodies of water or some of the big things. Like I feel like if I graffitied something, I do with smiley face. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's just hard to believe that all of those were murder victims, but also like. And also, can't bridges near really. water or like rivers or you know cement, and those are usually what gets graffitied. Yeah. So. But yeah, not to throw any shade. Maybe it was murder. I mean, Chris Jenkins could have been murdered. I mean, the police reclassified it as a homicide. They just haven't figured out who the killer yes. was. So that's that one. Uh, number three, David Stone and the Beast. So David Stone was a 29-year-old stock market analyst and student of the La Jolla Academy of Advertising Arts. He lived in La Jolla, California, and for years he had problems with control and anger issues. He was also into the New Age movement, which was a religious movement in the occult and metaphysical religious communities in the 70s and 80s. I looked into like how the New Age movement started, and to really talk about it involves talking about one of the co-founders of the Theosophical Society, Helena Petrova Blavatsky, and also getting into something about Ascended Masters of the Great White Brotherhood. And all of that seems like really off topic and like a lot to read about and talk about on here. So if you want me to talk about more of that, tweet it's at me. Is the Great White Brotherhood just something of the KKK? Because that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like, but I didn't read enough about it to tell you, so I'm not going to say yes. If you want me to talk about it more, tell me to do an episode on the New Age movement and how it started and on the Great White Brotherhood, and I'll research it and tell you about it. But as of right now, I will not. For today... All I'll say is that the New Age movement was looking forward to a new age of love and light, and people were supposed to offer a taste of this through their own personal transformations and healing. So, back to David Stone. On October 28th, 1988, he had a party at his apartment. During this party, he got into an argument with one of his friends and attacked this friend. After this incident, David Stone talked to friends and family and decided he was going to go out into nature for a couple of days to reflect on his behavior. David's family believed he was going on a vision quest, which is when someone goes on a journey to learn about himself. I also saw something about he wasn't going out into nature and going on a vision quest, that he was actually going to El Paso, Texas for a friend's wedding. Either reason for this trip, David never returned from this journey. Uh, eventually, it was found that the last time he was seen was the morning of Halloween. He was 145 miles east of Tucson, Arizona, which Tucson, Arizona is 413 miles east of Wahola, so he was like 558 miles from home, which is right around the border of Arizona and New Mexico by Road Forks, New Mexico, to be specific. Now, David was seen by a farmer. He says that David was walking along a dirt road in the desert, and the farmer stopped and talked to David because it was rare for him to see tourists in this area. Apparently, David told the farmer he was looking for the beast, and during the day, other locals saw David as well in the area, reporting that he was walking through rough terrain in the desert, acting strange, and talking to himself. That Halloween... Uh, in 1988, those locals in New Mexico were the last people to have seen David alive. So, I just wanted to revisit the possible reasons why he was there. Uh, like, a full eight-hour drive from his home. 
because I was like, it'd be kind of strange for him to go that far for just a fishing quest. But apparently, a few weeks before this happened, students at the academy that he went to were asked to design magazine covers for places they'd like to visit. And David had done Sedona, Arizona, which was a, a popular destination for vision quests. But the thing with that is that he wasn't there. He was over the border in New Mexico. So even if he was on a vision quest and he was trying to get there, he kind of missed it and went further east away from there. So kind of weird. And then on the other reason that he was going to a wedding... I feel like it's also odd that he would just stop randomly on his way to a friend's wedding and just start randomly walking into the desert. Like, it seemed kind of weird that he would do that. Did they, like, know what he was wearing? Like, did he look like he was prepared to be hiking? No. I don't think he was prepared for hiking. So, obviously, he wasn't hiking. Like, yeah. So If he was going to go on some vision quest, I feel like he would at least bring prepare. water and maybe like a backpack and maybe like a like a rain jacket and maybe like a like a hiking boots i don't know yeah like yeah either way whichever reason he was out there he was clearly not in the right mind he was talking about looking for a beast and talking to himself and just kind of walking randomly so five days later five days after halloween when he went missing David's car was found 14 miles south of Road Forks, New Mexico, abandoned by the New Mexico Highway 80. Let's talk about what was found, starting with what was in the car. There was found a pocket Bible, and inside the Bible was a business card belonging to a man named Tony Ballesteros. Ballesteros was interrogated and claimed he had never met David Stone. Uh, Ballesteros apparently had been camping with friends, and I guess the idea is that he had dropped his business card while camping, and David had walked through the campsite and found it. But my question is, why would somebody take a business card with them camping? And why did David put it in a bike if he found it? I mean, yeah, that's weird, but, like, I, if I had business cards, I would bring business cards with me everywhere. Yeah. You never know when there's like an opportunity. That's fair. I guess if you're a real the, what did what was he? I the business never. I didn't find what his business was. I'm not sure what it was. So I'm sorry. I'm failing at recording the facts to you. Yes. Also found along with this in his car was a note. The note read, "They think the word is in the safe. Six knives in Rob's room." Use buys your tea, and use take your chances Halloween. And the use is spelled like the word you with an S on the end. Now, I don't know. I have no clue what that note means. It's a very odd note. It seems really random. Mm -hmm. But that's apparently what was found in the car. So now let's talk about what was found outside the car. So Highway 80, where the car was found, runs north and south. The car was found on the west side of it, so if you're looking at a map, it would be the left side. Um, his trail led northwest toward Granite Peak, and they found a pyramid of rocks surrounded by a triangle. 
The next day, they found another pyramid, and by this pyramid was two quarters and David's watch. Next, three miles north of there, they found numbers written in the sand. These numbers were a Fibonacci sequence, which if you don't know what Fibonacci sequence is, is a series of numbers where each number is the last two numbers that came before it added together. So generally it goes 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 34. Each number is just the last two added together. You can just keep going with this. You can make the Fibonacci sequence as long as you want. It's used in math and analysis and stuff like that. Which, David was a stock market analysis, so it kind of makes sense. So maybe he knew Fibonacci sequence fairly well used it in his work. Uh, however, this sequence that David had written, it ended where the 21 would be, but instead of 21, he wrote 18. And when he played in college football, his jersey number was 18. Also, his car had been found near the 18-mile marker on Highway 80. So, some people think it could have been some sort of coded message, or like some way to try to hint at like where he was. So, also, they used bloodhounds, which led them back east to Highway 80 following his scent, leading them to where Highway 80 intersects with Interstate 10, which is 13 miles north of where the car was found. But once they got to this intersection, the bloodhounds lost his scent. Which, now that I'm thinking about it, Maybe they lost his scent because he got there and then somebody picked him up in a car. That would make sense. Hmm. And in 1988, that was it. That was all they found. It wasn't until almost four years later, February 23, 1992, that two hikers found skeletal remains in the desert near Granite Gap in Mexico, which is the same area that David had left his weird clues. Using medical records, they confirmed these remains to be David's. However, they couldn't confirm when, how, or why he had died. There was no evidence of foul play and no apparent trauma to the remains, so police attributed his death to dehydration and exposure or death by misadventure. But some believe something more nefarious happened to him. We still do not know what he was doing, what happened to him, or what any of his clues he left behind really means. David Stone. That one, I don't know. Reading about it, it's just like... There seems to be so much to it, and yet y'all couldn't figure something out. Yeah, like there's so much... Like, it feels like a plot to a movie. Like, it feels like something I would see in, like, the movie 7. Like, like something really weird. Or, like, I don't know, Da Vinci Code. I don't know. Like, it seems really weird. It seems really odd. I mean... He possibly could have started walking, started getting dehydrated, and that's why he made like all those weird notes because he was just dehydrated and not really out of it. Maybe he was on like a vision quest that was like kind the kinds of quests where people go out into the woods and see if they can just make it without any preparation. But instead, he went into a Mexico desert. Yeah. It was, like, to see if he could find himself and like tough it out. Without any help. I was also going to say, I don't want to, like, 
I didn't find any evidence of this. This is just me thinking Division Quest and what I feel like vintage films to try to find yourself. Jesus like got really out of it, out of the desert. I don't know. I didn't find I don't want to say that he was on drugs, like I didn't find any reporting or evidence and I don't think we ever will be able to find that kind of, kind of evidence as his body was skeletal remains, like there's no way to like figure that out. I it's too late. When you but, said the quarters in his watch, it seemed kind of like it was some kind of like offering. Yeah, I did see that like pyramids have like some kind of like symbolic meaning in like spiritualism and stuff. So it's like he could have possibly made those pyramids of rocks and left his quarter and like quarters and watch there as like some kind of spiritual like ritual or something. Down to it. I, have no clue. I don't know enough about the New Age movement or spiritualism to try to guess at what that could be that he was doing, but it seems like a lot of really symbolic and mysterious things that he was trying to do. I don't understand it. And that note, I don't know what that note means. It seems so random. It seems unconnected. You know, each line of it seems unconnected to the rest of it. Unless they were like. Separate, you know what I mean? Like, do this and this. No, no, no. Like, there are different steps. Maybe. But, I'm no detective, so I'm not gonna solve it. I feel like if he was in the stock market, he might know some not great people. Possibly. He could have some kind of connections. So maybe they blackened him to do stuff or something? I don't know. Just to me, that seems like some kind of like coded message list of like like they gave him that to, to do list kind of maybe all of this is speculation. We're not professionals. Probably never will be professionals in this type of a thing or investigations. But yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to just think about it for your own ideas. If you guys have any ideas, any thoughts on any three of these unsolved cases, uh, go ahead and email us, tweet us, let us know, you know, just throw them out there. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. If you agree with us, if you disagree, whatever. And if you want to hear more about any of the things that I mentioned, the smiley face, murder theory, new age movement, the son of Sam killings, like, know if you want to hear about that stuff. But yeah, that's all I got. Anything else for me? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's it. This episode's a little bit shorter. Uh, kind of shorter. Uh, not really that much shorter. Uh, okay, never mind. I don't know. Goodbye. I'm going to say goodbye. Make sure you like, share, tell your friends, tell your enemies. Leave a review. Leave a review. We'll read it. Give us a message. And we'll read it out loud. If you want to tell somebody you love them, leave it in a review. We'll tell them for you. If you want to tell somebody you hate them, leave it in a review. And we'll tell them for you. Either way, I'm going to tell them. I'll be the messenger. Follow us on our social media down in the description. Check out Whimsical Formations. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Eat the rich. And stay safe out there, kiddos. Yes.
have a fun December spooky Christmas Halloween. Goodbye. Love you.